If you uh, pick today to be the day that you maybe for the first time attended LOH or checked us out on live stream, you picked a great day. I would say that the Lord created the desire in your heart to pick it because you picked a good one. Um, the Lord's here in a powerful way. I'm sort of tempted to have the band come back and just keep singing that song for the next hour because I was digging that and uh, God is really in that song in the, in the band and what, what's going on this morning kind of sets us up for this. We're in a series called The Fire and the Honey. Uh, we started out talking about the fire. We're in the honey for the next, uh, for this one and last week and uh, see where we go next week. I want to talk to you about the benefits of his favor, the benefits of his favor. favor. Now raise your hand if, if your life, raise your hand if your life over the past year has been nothing but sunshiny days and rainbows. Raise your hand. Raise it up. Nothing but sunshiny days. You don't even need this, right? You're just, just strolling along through life. Yeah, right. Um, the, the pathway of faith can be hard at times, right? And, and no one is exempt from hardship. Yet we can grow strong and mature in our faith. And sometimes God allows hard times to come, and sometimes God sends them. Um, it grows us up if we allow if we allow his presence to be in our lives and stay and stay fresh. The honey of his favor is needed when we're going through hard times so that we don't become hardened or cynical about faith, about God, about God's people, about life. It gives us an opportunity to grow up and grow out of childishness, but by his grace, keep a childlike faith. How many of you know there's a difference between childishness and a childlike faith? Huh? The honey of the presence of his favor can keep us childlike. Maybe that's why at times over the past three weeks or so, I feel a desire, uh, like Christopher Robin, to return to the Hundred Acre Woods, uh, so to speak. And I've had Winnie the Pooh and that honey on my mind now for a while, and I want to go deep into the honey of God's favor. So deep in the Hundred Acre Woods where Christopher Robin played um, lives this bear, right? Maybe you, if you don't love him, we'll pray for you, but I love, I love Winnie the Pooh. I met him in, in the 60s. I met him in the 60s at Strand Theater. And I saw for the very first time this, this cool little dude, and my son loves him, my daughter loves him, their grandkids love Winnie the Pooh, I hope you do too. Uh, but for that bear, that silly old bear, he only had one thing to live for. His mission statement was this, just honey, honey all the time. That's what I want, honey all the time. And there, in, in the first movie, it opens up with, it, with him with his head stuck in this dried up pot trying to scrape the last bits of honey off the pot. Uh, and, uh, and he, but he, he runs out and he's all oh, bother and he looks for more and he, and, and he gets himself in a, he gets himself stuck in a position and then his good old friend rabbit comes along with others and pushes him out of that. And he goes propelling across, propelled across, uh, this, this space and he lands in this other hole and he's, and he's, and he finds himself in this place that honey is just dripping from everywhere and he's drenched in it and he's living his best life now, man. And I, when I think of that, I've been thinking of that for the last couple of weeks, and I think, don't we all need some heavenly honey on our lives right now? Huh? Maybe you couldn't raise your hand for the first question, but for this one, do you need a little bit or a whole lot of bit of honey from heaven right now in your life? Look at me. Wave at me. I see you. How about you? I see you. Um, I'm going to ask you, will you come with me through a pathway in his word this morning that we could rediscover? his benefits, the benefits of his favor. Let's ask him, would you join me? 
Lord Jesus, we remember you. We lift up our praise, our faith. We lift up our faith to you. We are here to declare your praises. You've called us out of the darkness into your marvelous light. You forgive all our sins. You heal all our diseases. You redeem us from the pit of destruction. You crown us with loving kindness, tender mercies. You long to fill our desires through all of our years with good things so that we can continue to be renewed. Like the eagles mounting up with their wings. Take us there today. Wonderful Holy Spirit, we are hungry and we humble ourselves before you. We delight in the fear of the Lord to receive the grace of God. You purchased us for this, Lord Jesus, with your own blood. So with you, take us there and we give you the praise. Amen? Luke 24, verse 50, and he, Jesus, led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, I want you to picture it, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. That's called the ascension in doctrinal terms, the ascension, the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. The last picture we have of Jesus on the earth is with hands lifted up, blessing the church. What a picture. Just think of that for a minute. The picture of Jesus to the church is his hands up, blessing the church. Why did Jesus ascend? Why did he go to heaven after he was raised from the dead? Paul explains it. We're going to look at Paul's explanation, but here's the childlike explanation from a kid's viewpoint. He went to heaven to pour out the honey. He went to heaven to pour out the honey. But here's the biblical way of saying he poured out the honey. In Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 7, and he, Jesus, notice this, has generously given each one of us supernatural grace according to the size of the gift of Christ. This is why he says he ascends into the heavenly heights, taking his many captured ones with him, has he captured your heart yet? Jesus, capture my heart. Like Paul says, I want to press on to know the one who captured me. Taking his many captured ones with him and gifts were given to men. Next verse. He ascended. What's it mean? It means that he returned to heaven. That's where he came from. After he had first descended from the heights of heaven into the lower regions, namely the earth, the same one who descended is also the one who ascended above the heights of heaven. Why? In order to begin the restoration and fulfillment of all things. The Greek says, to fill all in all. When Gabriel announced to Mary that she was going to give birth to the Son of God by the power of the Holy Spirit and the promise of the Father, he said that Jesus would be great. And he would rule the throne of his ancestor David forever. So this great one, Jesus, when he came the first time, would have the Holy Spirit on him without measure. And when he came up out of the waters of Jordan, a word from his Father from heaven that John the Baptist heard 
was a word of endearment on him. This is the son of my love, and with him I am well pleased. John, the writer, describes this like this. From his fullness, we have all received and grace upon grace. We're talking about an image here that we need to get toward the church from Jesus. Hands out, blessing the church. What that means is, when God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, he came to people, people who were of his own origin, and many didn't receive him. But to everyone that did, he gave them the legal right, the power to become children of God with the benefits of favor on them. Which means, as the prophet said, all of the love and all of the kindness that God promised to Abraham and those who would walk in faith like him, all of the love and all of the kindness that he promised to his servant David would be released upon every single one of us who are born again by putting our faith in King Jesus. So, when our king, paying the full payment by his own blood on the cross, comes out of the tomb in the power of an indestructible life, this king in resurrection power spends the next 40 days on earth, 40 days, teaching the apostles what that power would bring to them and through them to the whole world. And then he was taken up. And after he ascended, after he goes to his father's right hand, he pours forth the honey. He, at the Father's right hand, he pours forth the Holy Spirit. Now, why did he go up? He said, it's to your advantage that I go away, right? If I don't go away, I can't send the, the Holy Spirit. Now, here's why. It's to our advantage. He went to the Father's side to pour himself out so that his presence and his power could be everywhere Whereas before, it was limited to his own earthly body in a geographical location. Now, he's everywhere. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is everywhere. Whoo! I hope he's here. I think he is, right? I want to show you from the prophet Isaiah. I want to show you in the words of, and ministry of Paul. I want to show you how this ascension and outpouring affected people in Jesus' ministry before he was ascended because he had the Holy Spirit like we're talking about that's all over the world now. I want to show you that from Jesus' ministry and I want to show you that from Paul's. I want to show you that people who received the, the message with faith received the honey of the message in reality. And God wants to do the same thing for us. Paul comes into this synagogue which was the Jewish church of his day. Paul comes into the synagogue to a biblical people. They didn't have a Bible, but they knew the, they knew the Bible, what we call the Bible, the Jewish scriptures. But he knew that they didn't see. And so he came in with the Holy Spirit on him to open their eyes, just like Jesus opened the eyes of the disciples. And he wanted them to know that in the right now of their life, God wanted to activate all of the promises for them through Jesus. That the acceptable year of the Lord did not end when Jesus ascended. 
His grace and power expanded exponentially the grace and the power and the favor of the Lord. Here's how Paul described it when he went into that synagogue in Acts. He said, brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, those of you who have this connection to Abraham, let me tell you why that's important. And those among you who fear God. Remember last week it's, we, we said that in Psalm 103 that the loving kindness of the Lord from generation is everlasting to those who fear him. There were God-fearers in the synagogue who weren't Jewish, but they were open to God and hungry for the living God. And they were there, and he's telling them, and he's telling the, the, the people who have been in a religious heritage that God was sending a message of salvation to them. And he says, and we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has brought to the fullness or fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken this, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. So Jesus goes to the Father's side and God puts into his hands the sure mercies and blessings of David. Remember that. What are they? We, we, ca- we capsulized them last week. Ollie did, reading the whole thing, and then we talked about it. The benefits of David are mentioned in Psalm 103. I just prayed that we'd have those things actualized in our lives this morning in my prayer. And then he says, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by everyone who believes is freed, that's Jubilee, Everyone who believes is free. Everyone who believes not only is forgiveness of sins yours, but the entire jubilee now comes to you of what you could not have in your life because you broke and couldn't live by the law of Moses. And then he says, this salvation was the focus of the prophets, Right? They said the prophets had the spirit of the Messiah in them, trying to point to them that this was coming one day, and they preached it, and they became aware that they weren't preaching to their present generation. They were preaching to generations that weren't alive yet. And then Peter goes on to say that the angels of God, listen to this, this is, the angels of God, according to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, the angels of God are looking into the places where this good news is being proclaimed. I wonder why. I wonder why the angels are attracted to the gospel being preached. You know why? Two things. One, they want to stop devils from stealing what God wants to give you and help activate in the atmosphere your ability and mine to believe. Now, Paul went in to say that, but Isaiah had been saying it 600 years before that. Here's what Isaiah said. In Isaiah 53, which most of us know, which is the the Messianic prophecy of Jesus' suffering, wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and by his wounds we're healed. He goes on to say, he goes on to say, this is so important. Here's what Isaiah said from the Holy Spirit. Yet, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. You know when you crush grapes, you know what you make out of it? Wine. It was the will of the Lord to crush Jesus and put him to grief. And when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. In other words, he'll see 
He'll see down through time the people who will believe this. He'll see them, look, and he shall prolong his days. That's pointing to the resurrection and the ascension. And watch this. The will of the Lord shall prosper where? In his what? In his hand. Jesus is rising to heaven with his hands out. And what are they doing? Cursing the church? Criticizing the church? Blaspheming the church? Mocking the church? Quitting the church? What's Jesus think of the church, all you church critics? Here's what Jesus thinks. That the least in the kingdom are greater than John the Baptist. You know why? Not because they're something. Not because I'm something. But because in my nothing, the blessing of the royalty of heaven is on our life. Look at this. The will of the Lord will what? What will it do? That's your part. The will of the Lord. Let's try it again. Cut. Take two. The will of the Lord will what? Prosper in his hand. The will of the Lord is his benefits that come from his hand. Jesus' hands, nail-scarred hands, are so filled with the honey of his Father's intention toward the world that he can't even hold them. Hold it. It's dripping out. It's overflowing. He put out his hands and blessed them as he ascended. And then, according to Daniel, he went in the clouds to the Ancient of Days and is now seated, Son of God, in power, activating. And then look what Isaiah says. Man, this is so good. Feel free to do a cartwheel down the middle aisle or the side aisles. Therefore, why did Jesus do that? Why did God do this? Why did Jesus die on the cross? Why did that? Not just to give you a Jesus Club card so you're ready for heaven. We're talking about honey here. I will divide him a portion with the many. We're the many. And the Father is going to divide on his son a portion. And he shall divide the spoil. You know what a spoil is? Getting back what the enemy stole from you because you didn't know what God... And getting back what you disqualified yourself from by your sin and breaking the law. He went and became the guilt offering for what you and I were guilty of so that God, through the hand of Jesus, could divide back to you, divide back to you what you lost and get it back and get it all back. And he wants to divide that spoil with the strong. Why is this possible? Next part. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many, and he makes intercession for the transgressors. In other words, we can't have it, we don't deserve it, and he steps in our place and intercedes for us so we can get. And that is why Isaiah said when you preach the gospel, God sees you with beautiful feet. And we're supposed to get up on a high mountain and proclaim that God reigns now. And preach, this is the good news. And Paul went in and told them that. And they got mad and threw him out. I think they, said the same, they did the same to Jesus, didn't they? Remember he went in, we talked about it last week, he went in and said, today, 
You qualify if you need forgiveness, if you're mourning, if you're broken, if you're bound, if you're in prison, if you're blind, you can't. You qualify because I'm going to qualify you. The nail-scarred hands, are you with us live stream? The nail-scarred hands are overflowing with honey. I want you to close your eyes and see with the eye of your faith right now. The nail-scarred hands, there's only one person in heaven that God didn't take the scars away, and that's his son. He'll be known by the scars when we see him. The nail-scarred hands are overflowing with honey. And listen, this is where we need to get this, Pentecostals. We have been in a continual outpouring since the ascension. Now you can look at me. In Romans chapter 10, how many of you are getting something out of this Bible study preaching thing going on today? In Romans chapter 10, Paul says, he's telling them all this, and then he says, so don't say, don't say, don't say this from the pulpit. Don't say this to your mind. Who will go up to bring the anointing and Christ back down here? Read it. It's in Romans 12. Not right now. Don't say that. And don't say, who will go into the grave and bring the resurrection Jesus back up into the modern day time? Don't say that. He says, let me tell you the way it really is. The word is near you. Mm. The word is near us. He's here with his angels and your angels cheering you on, cheering me on, saying, get this, Tim. Right now, I don't know why they would, but they're going, they think I'm going, flipping the bat. I can't do that without him. And they're waiting to knock one out of the park for you. The word is near you, the word of faith we proclaim. Guess what comes after Isaiah 53? Isaiah 54. The only, the only thing that messes us up with that is in our Bible we have chapters that make us think that it ends right there and something new begins. Throw the chapters away because there's this long, long, long song that Isaiah is singing about the servant of the Lord. In 53 he tells us this. In 54 he says, so with all that said, forget the shame of your former days and I'm going to make you something new and I see you like, like the uh, walls on the city of God. That's the way I see you and that's what's yours and no weapon for against you will prosper and everyone that speaks a word against you to condemn uh, you will condemn because that's the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication is of me says Lord and then he goes to 55 there is no 55 but just so you can find it we go to 55 and the Lord says the Lord says to us incline your ear and come to me man I wish I had time incline your ear and come to me hear that your what read it Go to church that your soul may live. You can sit in church and be robbed blind every week. Hear that your soul Why hear? Because Paul says in Romans 12, faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the anointing. Why the, this is so important why we, somebody needs to pray before Sunday for Sunday. Because have you ever come to church and it took you 45 minutes to get the demons off your brain and then the service is almost over by then? You go, oh, yeah. Wouldn't it be something if we had a couple praying people 
a couple praying people who would light the lamp for Sunday morning on Saturday night. And it doesn't have to be here. So that when people walked in the door with their wigs twisted from a, a week in the, huh? A week in the soup. When you walk in, you come to your senses. Something quickens in your soul. Huh? Wouldn't it be interesting if we had that? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the anointing or the presence of Jesus generating faith for us to receive his works. And then he says, I'll make with you an everlasting covenant. What kind? My steadfast, sure love for. I will activate Psalm 103 in your life. And what will be the effect of people that get Psalm 103 and the blessings? What will their life look like? Oh, glad you asked. Verse 12. You'll go out in joy. You'll be led forth in peace. Look at this poetic picture of life. The mountains and hills before you shall break forth into singing. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord. Your life will make a name for the Lord and an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Now, before we go to the next passage, hold that slide just for a second, guys. And I want to give you an explanation of Paul's perspective from the pulpit in his day. He says uh, in Ephesians 3, and I don't have this up there, that's why I just want you to listen. He said, I've been made a messenger of this wonderful news of the gift of God's grace that's working in me. It's been imparted with a manifestation of his power so that I can preach this. Ready? Here's how he described how he did it. I want to proclaim the wonderful message, sharing with people the unfading, inexhaustible riches of Christ, which are beyond comprehension. They're beyond comprehension, but they're not beyond reach. But when you wonder... You can be like the people in the synagogue that Jesus said, I know there are lepers in this room spiritually, but if you're only going to wonder and not enter into promise, there were many lepers in Israel when Elisha was here, but only a Syrian got healed. Again, what I fear on you and fear on me is the familiar religious spirit of churchianity to block us from the effectual working of his power. But those who receive the effectual working of power are people who walk in the fear of the Lord. And that doesn't mean they're afraid to come close. It means that they have a humble, hungry perspective coming into the house because they don't want to miss God. And then he says, my passion is to enlighten every person to this mystery. It was hidden for ages past until now, kept secret in the heart of God, the creator of all, but not now. It's not kept secret now. And then he says to the Galatian church, so then, those who are of faith are blessed, which means you're in a position where honey can pour out on your life. Along with Abraham, the man of faith, so that in Christ Jesus, that's the, there's a Greek tense uh, of, of grammatical tense that, it, it, that speaks of location. In other words, wherever Jesus is, that's where the blessing of Abraham will come, so that you might receive the promised spirit through faith. 
So when you receive the promised spirit through faith, it's like this. He comes into your life. And in the first century church, and in a couple others at least, you, we've been, you know, the Holy Spirit, you read, that, you read the ministry of Jesus, you read the, the ministry of the apostles, and you go, wow, right? Let me ask you this. What, who, which Holy Spirit do we have? Like, let's say that the Holy Spirit was like your car with free XM Sirius in it. And just because you, you're in the car, you have access to Sirius XM. Oh, and you want to have that, by the way. But you say, well, I'm going to pray for God to give me the gift of Sirius XM. I know that he doesn't give that out to everybody. He only gives that out to certain elect, select, holy Joe Christians. That's how people do with the things of the Spirit with tongues, with interpretation, with words of wisdom, with healing and all these manifestation gifts. People say, well, I don't have that gift. Yo, your car has Sirius XM in it. Oh, I'm, I'm pray I've been praying for 34 years to get Sirius XM. It's in your car. See, people say, see, when you, when, when, when you receive Jesus, what really happens is the whole, the whole Holy Spirit all of him comes to live not only in you, but in me, but wants to live out of me. What's he like now? Well, let's see, the devil's the same. But is the Holy Spirit? No, 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 no. Holy Spirit, no, 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 no. All he does is forgive sins. And in your battle against Lucifer, and in your struggles in the world, he's here to comfort you. Our, our belief of comfort means that he's there with you and you're going through it and, you're, and you're, you're falling apart and he just comes up and goes, I know, buddy. I wish you would have lived in the first century too. <laughs> but since you don't, hang in there because I will never leave you. I can't help you, but I'll never leave you. <laughs> what knucklehead convinced us of that? Last time I read, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Amen. But he's up there. And he said, it's to your advantage that I go up there. Because when I go up there, I'm going to bring me in the person of the Holy Spirit everywhere. Wonder what he can do. So in Jesus' ministry time on earth, and he has the Holy Spirit without measure... In Luke's account, he's teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, let's go to the next slide. And behold, there was a woman who had had a disabling spirit for 18 years. I'm so glad that Jesus came in to bring more than just, Betty, God love you. We'll give you a special seat in church. God love you. And I'll tell you what, when you get to heaven you won't have a disabling spirit anymore. Well, Jesus came to say, Jubilees now! And then he left and we don't get it, right? Anyway, and when Jesus saw her, he caught her over and said to her, woman, 
He must have heard T.D. Jakes. Thou art loosed. No, no. <laughs> T.D. Jakes heard Jesus. That's where he gets that from. Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his, come on, on her. Do we do that anymore? Do we have to have a training on doing that? Raise your hand if you're the one that has the power to do that. Every hand should go up. See, people think I have the big Jesus and you got the midget Jesus. <laughs> if we get to Pastor Tim. Listen, I've prayed for people before and they got worse. You might, your, your miracle might come through somebody that you don't expect it to come through. So listen, if, 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 the, bread, if the bread is from heaven... Don't critique who God selects to bring it to your blanket. Well, I want the pastor. Oh, well, I want the deacons. Uh-oh, is that Judas coming my way? And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. And you know what they did? They got mad. Because it wasn't biblical in their mind, because the way the, you don't do that on the Sabbath in their mind, which where they got that from. And then Jesus looked at them and he says, Notice what he says, look, read the Bible real close. Ought not this woman, why? Because she's a what? A what? She's a daughter of Abraham. Means she's in this covenant idea that God promised when the honey comes, it's on the daughters and sons of Abraham and David. Right? Uh, so ought not she, whom Satan bound for 18 years, ought she not, since it's Jubilee, be loosed on Shabbat? Jesus came to release Shabbat forever on the people of faith. He was saying, I bring your way everlasting jubilee and shalom all day, every day your way. No child of the king need be bound in anything that keeps them from jubilee. You want to pray now? I'm ready, I mean, I'm, I got a little bit more, but aren't you, I'm about ready to, five, four, three, two, one, right? <laughs> Satan knows all this. And he wants to block the flow. And the way he does it is through influencing influencers who can get right here to get you back under works and man-made attempts to earn blessings. To get you thinking you got to pray for XM when it's in your car. Listen, when you get when the Holy Spirit comes in your life, you get all of them. He doesn't cut him up in thirds. Well, you get the you guys get the forgiveness of sin part of the Holy Spirit and only this like they get this part of the Holy. No, he I had a professor in college, I used to ask her because there was all this controversy about tongues and, 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 and I said to her one time, I said, do you have to speak in tongues when, she goes, oh, brother, 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 it's not about have to anymore. You get to. Oh, brother, God doesn't split up his Holy Spirit. You get all of him. Does he, oh, brother, the question, she's from, she's from London. Does he have all of you? We don't do that at our church. There's your trouble. 
your church. The Galatian church had miracles happening, the Holy Spirit ministering all over the place, and then teachers came in and changed the gospel while Paul wasn't there, and the flow of the honey stopped, and Paul was writing them and trying to please them and make sure nobody leaves the church. In chapter 3, he says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. In other words, I told you how you get in the honey through the crucifixion of Jesus on the cross. But there was a spirit of witchcraft in their church. That's what he said. The foolish, you know what the Greek word is? Moronis. Wonder what that sounds like. Moronis. It's the same word he uses in Romans 1 for the people that are too smart to believe that God created the world. Moronis is God's term for you. Now, we're too nice because we're trying to get you to come in and mess with us. Anyway, the spirit of witchcraft in a church comes by those who have influence and get in an obsessive compulsive disorder regarding you and the Bible and the law. And they leverage into seats of authority by which they hinder those who had begun to enter into the riches of the oceans of God's grace. And they turn their eyes away from the liberator on themselves and on your sin nature and on what you're not and how much you don't pray, and how much you don't devote. And it's a knot. It calls you out, your sin nature, which gets you under a spell to focus on your own weaknesses in unbelief and intimidation. That's witchcraft. And it's preached from the, God, from the pulpits. One time I had a dream, I can't have time to go there, but I had a dream that me and a bunch of pastor colleagues were all at this church, uh, party, and we, were all, we all had our own personal Jesus next to us, and we were going around introducing Jesus to each other, and then he unzipped himself like the old uh, Pepsi commercial or whatever, and it was Moses. And we were preaching Moses in a Jesus suit and didn't know it. And I thought, where's that? And I went to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and that whole chapter's about that. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. The enemy uses this to convince those who have been brought into grace that they're not worthy of the Spirit and definitely not worthy of the Spirit's miracles. And the honey had stopped flowing in the Galatian church, and Paul says this. Let me ask you a question to wake you up. Here's what Paul says. Where are we? Yeah. Go back. Go back. Back. A couple lines down in there, he asked this question. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? How can you have faith in God when the law is telling you you are not? You don't pray enough, you don't read enough, you don't blah, 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 blah. By the end of the service, say altar call to get right with God, and the whole church who is right with God gets right with God every week. And every week it's a get right with God church service. And you agree with the law that you're not, you don't get up. See, the baptismal waters of John can get you in there in repentance, but the, only the dove can get you up. Notice it says, does he who supplies, the Greek tense is present ongoing, not used to supply. 
Does he who supplies the Spirit, and it doesn't just mean you get the Holy Spirit and wait for heaven. It means everything that the person of the Spirit wants to be in the church and in your life and in all of our lives. Does he who constantly supplies the Spirit and works present tense miracles among you, does he do it by any other means but the hearing of the good words that have been proclaimed about honey flowing from the hands Anybody listening? In the same way Abraham believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness. Know then that it is of those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Might I add that Abraham and Sarah, Abraham was 100 years old and her womb was as good as dead, but regarding the promise that they heard God say that they would have a son, they didn't waver but became fully convinced that God would do what he said. And then Paul says, and he wrote that because he wants you who believe that Jesus rose from the dead, that we have access in the next chapter, verse 1. We, by faith, have access into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. All right, where are we at? Ephesians 2.6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. Why? So that in the coming ages, notice it says ages and not the coming age. The coming age is what we promise, and it's true. In the, he'll wipe away all tears, all this, but it doesn't mean that nothing will happen here. In the coming ages, plural, that means second generation, third generation, AD 1000, AD 2000. How about 2021? How about 2030? How about in the ages to come, what might he do? What might he do? He might show, that means manifest and make known, the immeasurable riches of his grace in how much he can't stand the fact that you don't pray enough. Is that what it says? He might show the riches of his grace in, in kindness toward us where? In Christ Jesus. What might he like to show you today? Next thing. Ephesians 3. Question at the top. Did all this pass away? Or have we been bewitched? Influenced by the thief. So we might take a pass when the honey is passed toward us. Here's what Paul said. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to us, the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Now to him, ready, did it pass away? Here's the answer. Now to him who is able, you watching me? Oh, let me tell you, these guys are going to get ready to play. So don't, that's what they're doing. You don't have to worry. Don't, I'm inquisitive. No, listen. No, listen to me. Because if I was out, you that, I'm, I got to That's what I... I'm so, no, no. This is the most important thing right here. This is the most important thing. Hey, what's it matter if you get all this and you, and you get something else and you're thinking, you know what? We got to be at the thing at whatever. Listen, I said all that to say this. He wants to pour honey all over you today. And you. Now to him 
who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power that used to work in the church. I'm, I'm, I'm doing that because we, subconsci we subconsciously go there. According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. When? Throughout when? Did it pass away? What about that verse in 1 Corinthians that says, when that which is perfect, then all the other will pass away. Is the perfect, is he here yet? Now I know in part, then I'll know face to face. Face to face, is he here face to face yet? Once again, if the devil's the same, if the sicknesses are the same, if the diseases are the same, if the destructive forces are the same, guess who I'm glad is the same? Jesus and the anointing. <clears throat> Throughout all generations, that means when my Graham Slam and my Juju and my Emmy Joe and the six more to come <laughs> are my age, wherever they are, in the house of the Lord, honey will be flowing in the church. Honey will be flowing in the house. Come into the Father's house and don't live scrap with trying to lick scraps off a dried up pot from yesterday. Come into the Father's house. There are sons working hard for God out in the field. And he's trying to say to you, I'm always with you and everything I have is yours. I'm going to close with this. Paul is in this city called Lystra. And he's preaching like I'm preaching right here. And he looks and he notices that there's this man who's been crippled from birth. And it says this, because he's in the anointing. Paul's in the anointing. People haven't messed with him right before the service to tell him that he should watch. Why don't we have air conditioner filters changed in the house? No one's messing with him. You know why it's important not to mess? So you can flow with the honey. Because if your head's on the air conditioner filters, you might miss that there's a crippled man that Paul could tell had faith to be healed. And he looks and he sees him. And the Holy Spirit moves him and he says, stand upright on your feet. And he says it in a loud voice. And the man springs up and starts walking in the church. I thought you would go, yeah. Yeah! I thought that, well, I pictured that different reaction. Now, if T.D. Jake, uh, maybe we needed the organ. Mm -mm -mm -mm. I don't want anyone to stand except these people right now. But let me pray first. Lord, you said that you would watch over your word to perform it. You said that these signs accompany the gospel. I only want the following people to stand. Those who desperately need the honey. But you have faith to receive it today. Stand to your feet. Those who desperately need forgiven in their soul. You have Bible verses that you know that say, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, but you need to know, stand to your feet. Those of you who need healing, healing 
stand to your feet. Those of you who need to be delivered from destructive processes that have been given ground in your life, stand to your feet. Those who have faith to receive a renewal, like an eagle who puts his wings out without flapping them, and the wind of the Spirit lifts that eagle up to high places. If that's what you need, stand to your feet. Only stand to your feet if you're those people. And Lord, as we worship you now, as as Devin and this team leads us in ministry, I pray, oh God, that people who need the honey would stand to their feet, or maybe like the Lystra man. I I, I could stand where I'm at, but I want to come out. I want to come out of the closet of unbelief. I'm going to shake off the witchcraft off my life, the oughts and the shoulds, and I could have been, and I'm sorry I'm not, and I'm going to believe the good news that Jesus Christ paid it all for me, and I'm going to find an altar. I'm going to stand in the house of the Lord, and I'm going to let everybody see me. I'm going to lift my hands up, and I'm not going to beg. I'm going to receive the honey from God. Lord, from the front to the back, activate your word in this place. You're the minister. You're the minister. You're the minister. I'm not the minister. You're the minister. Honey of heaven, flow. Angels of God, we give you permission. We give you permission as you've watched. We give you permission. Holy Spirit, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, wherever the Lord is, wherever we make the Holy Spirit Lord of the house, he brings the emancipation and the jubilee. Bring it, Lord. Bring it, Lord. Don't shift into it's time for church to be over. Please, it's time for church to have and begin right now. In Jesus' name, come on. Come on. Come on.